Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with another Hot Commodities episode. Today we are talking mid-round running backs. We're going to do a little buy or sell. And uh, we got a little twist on this. So we're also going to talk uh, the, the five running backs that we've selected. are, uh, are They're all veteran guys. They're all like older running backs, been in the league for a while. We're basically going to determine whether or not they can continue uh, the fantasy relevant. Some of these guys have been superstars in fantasy before. But uh, they're at a different point in their career now. And we're going to see how... Uh, their value lines up this year. So, Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Again, Corey kind of entered that too. Uh, yeah, we're just telling you basically if these guys are worth buying at all, if their value is in drafts, or if they're just washed. Because a lot of these guys, you're going to hear, they're, they have been staples in the fantasy football uh, community for who knows how long. Like, they, they've all been and had success. A couple of these the guys have finished as the RB1 before. A little sneak peek, actually. Yeah. Three of them have, so... Yeah. Stay tuned. But uh, yeah. And like Danny mentioned, we're talking about their ADPs as well. We're taking that into account because obviously if all these guys are sixth, seventh round picks, we'd probably all pick them. But uh, where some of them are currently going, some of them are just overvalued. Some of them are undervalued, whatever. So uh, we'll hit the intro and then we'll see you guys on the other side. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, so the first guy we're getting into, as we mentioned, uh, some of these guys who finish as the RB1, this guy's one of them. Uh, Todd Gurley, he's currently going off the board as the RB16 or the 303 in terms of uh, what round he's being picked. And uh, the biggest concern for Todd Gurley is obviously his his physical health. Um, The knee is a big-time issue. It's been an issue for a while. And uh, when the Atlanta Falcons signed him, they weren't even actually sure whether or not his arthritis or whatever you want to call it was was cleared up and he'd be able to play in 2020. So – uh, when looking at Todd Gurley's situation, objectively, it looks really good, right? Like, he's the only running back there. They they have freaking, like, Edo Smith and, like, Brian Hill. Like, just some, like, just complete jags that are with him there, right? Uh, but where did Todd Gurley make his money in 2017 and 2018 when he was the RB1? It was in the red zone. He had a lot of touchdowns uh, during those times. There was times where you'd start him and you'd expect two touchdowns a game because he was pretty much the entire Rams offense in that scheme. He had 59 red zone touches last year and 12 touchdowns, which ranked third in the NFL. And he ranked number one in 2017 and 2018 with over 70 per season, those past two uh, seasons. And uh, Devontae Freeman only vacates 25 red zone touches from this Atlanta offense, which ranked 25 in the NFL. And additionally, the Falcons ranked number two in the NFL in pass percentage in the red zone at 63%. And the Rams were like among the league best in terms of running the ball in the red zone at 47%. And they were also just far more efficient in the red zone. So, I mean, the volume in general, especially where Gurley is most used, goes down significantly. Even if he is the only guy there, which he is, um, it's, it's so much different than when he was in L.A. Because L.A. ran the ball in the red zone like good teams do a lot more than Atlanta did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, touching upon that, you mentioned, we've said so many times on this channel, when it comes to Dirk Cutter, gold, gold for fantasy football tight ends. And, absolutely and receivers hot, and receivers and absolutely hot trash when it comes to fantasy running backs. I mean, you, you mentioned it, the vol, the volume and goal line success that carried Gurley to that top 15 finish just last year. It's not going to be there. I mean, we've mentioned before he was inefficient on the ground, didn't receive nearly the same receiving work than he's had in the past. What carried him was that goal line success. Well, as you mentioned, 
59 red zone touches for Gurley last year with only 25 vacated by Devontae Freeman. That's significant. That's Where assuming no one else takes any because they could still sign another running back or they could just like Raheem, maybe they believe Raheem in Ryan Hill or something. I don't know. They could, uh, as we're recording this, Raheem Moser requested a trade. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they threw a fifth round pick at him. Yeah, now, for sure. Thir- that alone though, 34. That's insane. That's over two per game if you projected over a 16 game uh, season. Which Gurley won't play. <laughs> exactly. And mentioning that, I mean, people want to say, oh, he's not injury prone, blah, 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 blah. That's just media hype. I was reading a comment that said that. And I'm like, dude, you can't argue. He has a medically diagnosed arthritic issue in his right knee. It's been that way for the past two years. Even before that, obviously, he was fantastic uh, up till 2017. But it's an issue now. I mean, he's not the same girly. Same thing that we've said with David Johnson with his injury concerns. We're, we'll get into that. But talking about Gurley, he's not that same Gurley that all ultimately carried you to those first-place finishes. I mean, he was a true game-changer. He was the best goal line back in the league. He was getting significant receiving work. He's entering a situation where, A, that opportunity is not going to be there, and, B, those injury concerns do exist. So, overall, I mean, taking washed name-brand players at overhyped ADP just isn't how to do fantasy. And, again, as I mentioned, nothing of Gurley's situation, vacated touches, team game plan, or overall upside is worth the RB16 303 off the board in ADP. Is this what you want your early third round pick to be? Yeah, he, he might be your RB1 at that point. That's, in, that's insane. Stay clear of this ticking time bomb. Yeah, like, this this is by far, of the five guys that we have listed, this is the one I feel most strongly about because the ADP is very high. It's not like uh, some of the other guys that we're going to get into after have like mid fourth round, like late uh, or early fifth round ADPs. Like if Gurley was going in the early fifth round, I would not be this passionate about him. But he has a very high chance of busting. Like at the ADP, he's going. And we didn't even mention, he had 50 targets last year, which was like significantly less than the previous two years he was in LA. And he had nine drops on 50 targets. Like he had like nearly a 20% drop rate. And That's insane. I think, to be honest, I think the, the coaching staff in Atlanta will know that and they'll use Brian Hill or Ito Smith, Smith on receiving downs. So they'll probably just use Gurley as like a one and two down banger, which I mean, Gurley used to be good at that. And that's a valuable role in a good offense, but not in Dirk Cutter's offense. For sure. I mean, we, we've talked, and we've also talked about, I mean, again, we're going to say 258 vacated targets will be a lot. But as we mentioned, the usage of Gurley is just simply not going to be there. He's not going to be that same receiving back out of the backfield. And we're still hyping up guys. Like, we love Julio Jones. I love, love this offense. Earth. I love this offense. I just don't love the running offense of it. Exactly. So, I mean, projecting that towards this year, RB16 is basically drafting him at his ceiling, in my opinion. He doesn't have that top 10 upside that people want to believe. He maybe has 12 to 15. Yeah, his uh, best chance to have that upside is touchdowns, which, as I mentioned, like, it's likely going down. Like, he had 12 last year, and he still wasn't good for fantasy, and he had 12 touchdowns. Like, there's no way he gets 12 touchdowns this year. For sure. I mean, talking about Gurley in terms of his consistency last year, if he didn't score a touchdown, he wasn't really useful in your lineup. I mean, again, he was one of the most inefficient rushers in the league. His receiving work really cut down. You relied on those 12 rushing touchdowns Mm -hmm. to really carry you. And 59 red zone touches is simply not going to happen, as you mentioned. So uh, we're done with Gurley. This is sick, as I can tell. Let's move on to the next uh, former number one overall back in fantasy. You want to touch up upon Le'Veon Bell for us? Yeah, before we get into Le'Veon Bell, just want to remind you guys to go down to the bottom, hit the like button, comment on the video, and subscribe. But uh, Le'Veon Bell is our next guy that we have up. So RB18 currently 307 off the board. Um, 
his ADP like actually shocked me a little bit because I thought I was going to actually be on board with Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell, like maybe that's where his ADP is and in, in, in this is best ball ADP that we're using. I've seen him fall to like the fifth round before and there I'm not, I'm not totally against him. This one I'm definitely um, less against as compared to Gurley because he has some things in his favor. He was number four in, in weighted opportunities last year, which uh, takes into account targets and carries. And uh, he was number 27 in red zone touches, which, I mean, you should see an increase in that, but by how much is the question. And then there's also just potential positive regression in terms of his breakaway run rate, which was like amongst the league low last year at like 0.4% of his runs. And um, yes, the Jets, uh, here, you know, like, here's the concerns with him, and this is why I'm out on him at this ADP, is the Jets added Frank Gore, the all-immortal um, running back who's been in the league pretty much as long mm-hmm. as Danny's been alive. And they also added a fourth-round rookie. Um, who's not good, but he, it might just indicate that they're not going to put up with Le'Veon Bell's inefficiency much longer. And we've, we've mentioned this before with guys like Leonard Fournette, coaches aren't stupid. They can see when a guy's inefficient, they're, they're eventually, especially guys like Adam Gase who are fucking hold grudges against players. I could definitely see Le'Veon Bell just being taken out of the game a little bit more. Like he, he's not efficient enough to command more touches. Usually when guys get low touch volume and they're efficient with their touches, they get more touches. The same is true for the, for the opposite end of the spectrum. But the situation did improve. They added Mekhi Becton in the draft, as well as a couple others on the O-line. I believe the center, yeah, uh, the, the, center, the center that they added uh, ranked highly uh, via PFF. So, yeah. I mean, the, the O-line should be improved. And the, the Jets averaged like number 31 in yards uh, – or sorry, they were number 31 in yards above successful percentage. Uh, and it was nearly 20% below league average. So, I mean – that partially has something to do with Le'Veon Bell, but that also was the offense, like the fault of the offensive line and the fact that Sam Darnold wasn't playing and all that shit. So they were just like really, really inefficient on the ground, which hopefully can can uh, go up a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you were mentioning the offensive line. Uh, you mentioned the interior guy. That was actually uh, one of two, actually. That's a fact. One of two Connor McGovern's that play in the interior of the offensive line in the NFL. They got the one from the Broncos. Obviously, the other one plays for my beloved Dallas Cowboys. I'll touch upon that. Yes, they added to the offensive line. We know this. But when projecting Le'Veon Bell, I mean, if he was going at like the late fourth round, early fifth round, I would have been yeah. okay. You know what? High uh, high end RB three. You plug him in. He's gonna get you a nice floor. Like I don't mind that. But man, there is no way in hell I'm spending a mid third round pick on a guy that. I genuinely believe, again, similar to Todd Really, I don't think he has top 10 type upside. No, People, no, not a chance. No, but you're not going to win your league just selecting the RB 12 to 15 in your third round. That's just not going to happen. Especially mm-hmm. with receivers going around that board, you can get like a DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson. Like there's so much more value to be had at this spot that ultimately I'm just staying clear and maybe taking around uh, a couple of those other mid-round running backs we're going to mention. But again, mentioning Bell, yeah. This, as I mentioned with the uh, Falcons, this would low-key be a kind of, like from an NFL perspective, this would be a nice landing spot for Raheem Mostert if you think about it. And uh, Adam Gase is not committed to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, If he wants to trade Bell first, then yeah, sure. (laughs) But if if Mostert ends up here, then they're both useless. But I mean, from an NFL perspective, I mean, like okay, just having, yeah, somebody, maybe, yeah. having somebody where freaking Le'Veon Bell, piss, obviously in a fantasy perspective, we don't want most of to go here. But from an NFL perspective, you're looking at it as a coach. Okay, this guy's being inefficient when he's actually getting his touches. Why not trade for the cheap, probably a fifth or sixth round pick at this current point because the Niners are just trying to get rid of him because they can't agree to an extension. Getting sure. the most efficient running back in the league last year. I mean, that, that's definitely a big signal to Bell saying, hey, pick up your game, but you know what? We got another replacement for you that was actually really good. 
with their touches in a system before. So, I mean, that's all pro- uh, projecting. I'm not going to get into that as to why I'm off Bell. Just touching on Bell, again, as you mentioned, they added to the receiving game. We know this. When Sam Darnold is healthy, they do want him to develop, and that's the only real way they're going to find out if he's their franchise savior. They're not going to do it by giving the, uh, the, putting it into freaking Le'Veon gut, uh, Bell's gut 320 times in a season, especially at the inefficiencies he was at last season. So, I mean, overall, if you're getting him as like a low-end RB2 at the late fourth round, I understand it. But there's no way in heck I'm taking no, not a him chance. third round. It does not make yeah. sense. And uh, touching on – people might uh, wonder this. I don't know if, if people do. But uh, when Sam Darnold wasn't in the lineup, Le'Veon Bell was actually better th- uh, for fantasy. So it, it wasn't even an issue of like, oh, well, like if Sam Darnold plays a full 16. No, like he got seven targets a game when Sam Darnold was out of the lineup. So he, from a, especially from a PPR perspective, was actually much better without Sam Darnold because Luke Falk or whoever the quarterback was was just checking it down constantly. Um, a wild stat I actually came across was uh, Adam Gase has literally only given 11 goal line touches total over the last three years to running backs since he's been a coach, which was just wild. And as I mentioned, uh, Bell didn't rank highly in red zone attempts, which is weird because he had to, like he had a lot of carries, but uh, it's partially because the Jets ranked third in pass per- uh, percentage in the red zone. And I mean, like I said, good teams run the ball in the red zone. Jets aren't a good team. So uh, Yeah. We can uh, move on to the next guy who we're both all the way out on this guy too. So I'm, I promise it'll get positive after this. But uh, Touching upon uh, last season with uh, Sam Darnold, you mentioned the splits. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to like take a look at basically the receiving volume of it. And yeah, you mentioned with that outside of that split, he averaged two and a half PPR uh, points per game more. And the targets, seven and a half, yeah. over seven and a half, 7.67 without Sam Darnold, 4.58 with Sam Darnold. I know. That's significant. Yeah, it's a so, big I mean, time. So, I mean, you're mentioning that people want to say, oh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell's one of the best receiving backs in the game, yada, yada, yada. He is. Don't get me wrong. When he was in Pittsburgh, he was the best receiving back in the game. But simply put, that type of volume is not going to be there to really carry you up and deliver on uh, a top 10 upside. Again, he's probably going to be in that mid-tier to uh, RB or tier RB2 uh, range. I fully get that. He could finish in that, you know – 14 16 18 type range that's not a guy you want to spend your third round pick on no no he's a guy he's the perfect guy if you can get him as your flex or or is your rb3 perfect because then you have two guys you can get um because he can give you upside from that perspective because if he finishes as a rb15 or whatever and he's your flex spot then that's great because you likely already have two guys that are like top 10 running backs so sure. from that perspective, he's definitely worth it. But if he's, if he's your RB1 or RB2, which he could be if he's your early third-round pick, like you're, there's no way he's going he's gonna to return value for you. So uh, getting into the next guy here, we got David Johnson. And uh, RB22 right now, 401 off the board, which is fucking way too high for David Johnson. for me. Like <laughs> Another this former RB1. Yeah, another former RB1. Uh, <laughs> so yes, DJ ranked. Here's the argument that I've heard all the time. Yes, David Johnson was like the RB7 last year when he was on the field, but he needed seven targets per game to accomplish this. Seven targets a game. He was horrible on the ground the first seven weeks of the season. Awful. I'll break that down later. (laughs) Yeah, the Texans running back, or the Texans, who the team he's on now, threw to their running backs at the 27th highest rate in the NFL last year. I believe it was like 15%. And uh, this was despite their running backs ranking 14th in success rate when catching the ball because they had Duke Johnson who played a 50% snap share and is a really good receiving back. So they had the running back to use a, a receiving back, but they didn't use it because Bill O'Brien's fucking stupid and Deshaun Watson's an elite athlete and doesn't need to check down. So the vacated rushing production that Carlos Hyde leaves behind in this offense is great. 
David Johnson's probably going to take up most, if not all of that. But DJ is going to be less effective on the ground than Carlos Hyde. People get mad when I say this, but 4.1 true yards per carry for Carlos Hyde last year, 3.6 true yards per carry the last two seasons David Johnson has played. So if he gets the 245 vacated carries that Carlos Hyde had, he's only going to have 882 yards, which is not good. Carlos Hyde finishes the RB 27 last year and 34 in points per game. That's a half PPR. Yes, yes. And DJ is in line to do something similar, basically. He's basically in line to do what Carlos Hyde did last year. Did anyone, like, win their league because they had Carlos Hyde? Like, no. Duke Johnson's 62 targets are still there. He's still on the team. He's not going away. I guarantee you that DJ is going to finish with more targets than Carlos Hyde had last year. I'm not disagreeing there. He only had 16 targets last year. But even, and this is a projection here, let's say the Texans throw 600 times, which is a lot, which would be probably top six in the league. Um, I've mentioned this before. I love the Texans passing offense. I think they're going to throw a lot. If you assume a league average target running, uh, running back share to the Texans running backs, which is 21% and they only had 15% last year. So that's projecting a 5% increase or 6% increase. That only leaves 125 targets total for both Duke Johnson and David Johnson to share. And that is the best case scenario in my opinion. There's no way they get more than that. The more likely scenario probably is like an 18% target share, which is about halfway in between on like 580 attempts, which would equate to like a hundred targets. And if Duke Johnson gets like another 60, that only leaves like 40 targets for David Johnson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, touching upon that, you're mentioning the running back uh, rushing efficiencies last year, 55th in true yards per carry, 48th in yards per yards created 63rd in yards created per touch 54th in evaded tackles 36th in breakaway run rate guys. There's 32 starting the running backs in the league. Obviously, he's getting outperformed by backups here, too. I mean, you're going to mention, obviously, the volume. That, that's in consideration. But still, he is only top 40 in one of those categories. Awful. Yeah. When you're talking about the Texans target rate, you, Corey briefly mentioned that. 15.3% of the total team targets last year were to the running back position. Well, how does that correlate? Oh, David Johnson's a good receiving back. That can raise value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke Johnson is a really good receiving back as well. Don't It'll care. go up a little bit. It'll probably go up a little bit, but not by, well, like, as I said, 18% from 15.3 is a pretty significant increase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, touching upon it though, Duke Johnson, 62 targets last year. That's not going to go anywhere. That's not going to go anywhere. And again, as you mentioned, if the target rate goes up, it's going to supplement Duke Johnson's targets as well. It's not just going to go strictly to DJ mm-hmm. or the other DJ, David. Yeah. So, uh, overall, with DJ, you were getting a super inefficient lug in the rushing game because that's what he basically is right now, a super inefficient lug with limited upside as a receiver due to the offense the Texans run. Hard pass as the RB22. I mean, that's just ridiculous to me. And if you're taking this guy at the 401, like if he was like a mid-fifth-round pick. Yeah, that's, that's where I would like consider that, him as okay. well. Okay. But like, man, early fourth, I mean, again, as I mentioned, the type of receivers, an Adam Thielen type is going in this range. And you're going to take – is someone actually going to take David Johnson over like an Adam Thielen? That's no way. There's no, there's no way that David Johnson finishes as a top 15 running back, in my opinion. I think there's not a chance. Carlo, man, Carlos Hyde, like the volume Carlos Hyde got last year was crazy. Like it was really good. Like, and he was only like the RB34 in points per game. Ronald Jones was better than him from a points per game perspective. So, I mean, yes, David Johnson has more receiving upside, but like it's, he's, he's just not that good anymore, guys. Like just, just get over it. Um, do you have anything about, else on DJ or can we get into some more positive guys here? I just wanted to mention something a little bold. I mean, this is going to go way off of uh, the consensus fantasy football, uh, ADP, ranks, everything, consensus. 
Ronald Jones is going to finish higher than oh, David Johnson. Too. Fuck, I have him ranked like 15 spots higher than David Johnson. It's, right it's now. gonna it's gonna happen, and the fact that David Johnson is going like three rounds earlier is just insane. Yeah. Just insane. I mean, you can get a guy like Ronald Jones, James White, these type, of, especially if you're in a half PPR, full PPR uh, format. What's the difference between James White and David Johnson at this point? Literally, I mean, take the value. Especially at least one of them's going to get thrown the ball. <laughs> facts for sure. But uh, as you were mentioning, let's get a little more positive. It's odd that the first three names we talk about, all former first, uh, first overall uh, running backs that we're all fading. And the next two guys we're talking about never finished as the RB1, yet we love their value. So yep. go on, Mark Ingram. Yeah, RB28 Mark, off the board, 506. Let's yeah, go. this is by far the one that I'm – I actually, I don't know. I really like the last the I next love, guy too. I love but, the next guy. Yeah, all right. So RB28 and 506. The reason I like this guy is because of the value. He's a, like a mid-fifth round pick. If he was going around where David Johnson is going, I, I mean, I'd still probably be interested a little bit, but this is definitely, he's appropriately valued in my opinion, maybe a little undervalued. Okay. So Mark Ingram, I already know what you're thinking. Yes, they drafted J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a stud. I love J.K. Dobbins. He's my RB2. If you remove the 172 carries that Lamar Jackson had from this offense last year, they still had 420 carries to go to the running backs. Like this offense ran the ball almost 600 times last year. And if you remove the quarterbacks, they still had like 420. So, and these, those carries, those 420 carries are not your average 420 carries because the running backs in this offense are going to see the lightest fucking boxes they've ever seen. And they're going to see everyone's attention off of them because everyone is scared shitless of their quarterback. So Mark Ingram finishes the RB eight last year on only 202 carries that would leave 218 in the backfield for Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, whoever else is there. And not to mention, this is a big narrative that I don't think people are taking into account, especially with rookie running backs. No, no preseason is, like, is looking like it's going to happen. It looks like we're not going to have a preseason. The veteran running back who is Mark Ingram in this backfield will likely be solidified as the starter to start this season. I expect all the rookie running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, even DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. I expect them to struggle out the gate to regain the starting edge over the veteran incumbents in their backfield. Ingram is going off the board at a point where he's your third or fourth running back or like a flex spot. And he's likely going to be a top five running back to start the season. Why do I say that? This is the beginning of his schedule. He has the top, like he has five defenses that all rank in the top uh, uh, or bottom half of the league in rush defense efficiency. And he is going to be incredible. He's exactly the type of asset that you want to flip after week five, when his schedule gets harder for an underperforming superstar. Like for example, if you want to flip him for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you could probably do it because Ingram is going to be like a top five running back. And if you play in a league with people who like, I play in the leagues where people just look at where the guy is ranked right now and they'll, that's how they value players. They don't look at the upcoming schedule. They don't look at, I don't know, whatever else. They don't look at the fact that JK Dobbins could take over the job at some point. So they're going to just see, oh, the RB5 for the RB21. Yeah, give me the deal. Even though you might be fleecing the shit out of them. Yeah. Oh, that happens all the time. I still remember I was in a league. I guess Paul Richardson had like a huge start. He was like a top 20 wide receiver. Somebody ended up flipping him for like, let me think. It was like Mike Evans or something like that. Mike Evans like underperformed or something to start the season. A guy flipped like Paul Richardson and like a third string running back for him. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because that's what's going to happen. Most home leagues, people look at where uh, uh, players average uh, points per game and don't actually take into account external factors that would affect that. Yeah. And mentioning Mark Ingram, I mean, we touched upon it. As we have mentioned multiple times on this channel, Mark Ingram is the absolute perfect mid-round running back 
when you're pairing a high upside rookie with like a Taylor, like a if you Blair, take Edward like Hilaire in the third round, you need someone like Mark Ingram. For sure. And I, I, as much as I love DeAndre Swift, I love him. He's if I compare DeAndre Swift, maybe he struggles coming out of the gate, getting acclimated to the league, as we mentioned, short in offseason. Mark Ingram's the perfect guy to pair him with, as you mentioned. First five weeks, get acclimated. That rookie back's gonna be gonna start exploding then maybe you could ship uh mark Ingram for maybe an underperforming receiver uh or even a running back flat out you keep him he could still be good the whole season too the only problem i have with him is that once dobbins starts getting involved and and gets acclimated to the league and stuff i do expect it to be kind of like a 50 50 timeshare and maybe one of them gets a touchdown one week and one of them gets a touchdown the next week but i don't expect that to happen at the beginning of the season especially if like right out the gate i expect mark ingram to dominate this backfield it's funny you said that. Again, as I mentioned, people hate, they just ignore boring, no upside type plays like Mark Ingram perennially disrespected because he doesn't have upside. Well, what exactly is upside, as Lucas yeah. will always say? The RB8 last year, coming off as the RB28 off the board. You mentioned, okay, maybe J.K. Dobbins will get acclimated in the middle of the season. We've seen Mark Ingram perform in the past in New Orleans with the consensus top five running back in Alvin Kamara and still have a productive season. At, at and it's a better top, offense. It's still top 20 running back that year. Uh, so overall, I mean, if you're looking at it, Ingram is still a solid back. Dom is going to need time to acclimate. And right now, you're getting him in the mid-fifth round when guys like freaking like – for example, if you're, if you're talking about me straight up, I'm taking him over David Johnson straight oh, up. Oh, easily. Straight yeah. up. And it, it's just insane, insane to me that there is uh, over a, a round difference between them. Yeah. But, man – don't let him fall, especially if you go a uh, young running back early on or maybe – like, for example, you get Saquon Barkley. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is going to do Saquon Barkley, but maybe he doesn't have the ceiling because of his top opening schedule. Mark Ingram is the perfect supplement to him in case – obviously, you're, not, you're never going to bench Saquon Barkley, but it can supplement the points a little If you bit. play in a league with some stupid people, you might be able to flip Ingram for Saquon. Oh, <laughs> like, God. Imagine. Yeah, if you play with some stupid people, you'll be able to do shit like that. Maybe fucking Josh Jacobs has like a horrible start to the season or someone like that they drafted very high, and you're able like, to flip Mark Ingram for one of these guys. Or like they're listening to the, the people on the fantasy industry. Oh, say Austin Eckler has a bad first few games. People are going to be like, oh, see, I told you, Austin Eckler's yeah. a bomb. He's not going to be able to do it for the season. Yada, yada, yeah. yada. Flip him for, for freaking Austin Eckler and you're winning your championship. So, love that. I mean, take Ingram, great value. Supplementing to the next guy, one of our favorites. I mean, you guys ha- won't hear us harp on his name enough. We got Melvin Gordon running back from – actually, he's from the Denver Broncos now. Actually, recently acquired this offseason as a free agent from the Los Angeles Chargers. So, I'll start this one off. I mean, you guys have heard multiple going, times. Sorry, going at the uh, 304 RB17, just for the record. RB17 is the main consideration. Yeah, 304 is probably about his value. But the fact is, there's 16 running backs, including Todd Gurley, for the record, that are going before him right now, which is insane. Yep. So, Melvin Gordon is the RB2 we should all be targeting in fantasy drafts. As I mentioned, ahead of the likes of Fournette, of uh, Le'Veon Bell, of David Johnson. I take him over both the rookies, too. Yeah. So, I mean. Or JT and Edward Solaire. I have him ranked over both of them. I think I have I think I have Hilaire at 14, Gordon at 15 right now, and they're literally like yeah, they're close as hell. I, I keep switching them, but uh, breaking down the off season, people say, oh, he's going to a new offense, blah blah blah. blah. It's going to be hard for him to get acclimated. You'd be hard pressed to find a single negative in his changing situation from the Chargers to the Broncos. So I don't understand why people want to fade him. He signed an eight million average per year contract. That's significant. That's as much as Austin Eckler signed with the Chargers. It was nearly fully guaranteed, too. It was two years, $16 million with 13 and a half guaranteed. Yeah, so money's there. Speaking of the situation, he walks in 
to uh, the Broncos as the team's clear top option for both goal line work and receiving work out of the backfield and has a clear nose for the end zone when actually trusted in those situations. So again, as I mentioned, he's my RB15 overall. And if I can get him as my RB2 every time, I'm stoked to have him. If you're talking about just the last two years, 39 rushing first downs in 12 games last year, 51 in the year before. He is consistent. He can do it. He split the field or split the workload with another great efficient back the Chargers had in Austin Eckler last year and was still able to earn 204 touches in 12 games or 17 per game. So actually talking about his finishes in fantasy football, obviously we are all, all documented. He, as a rookie, struggled. Every other year, RB5 in points per game in 2016, RB7 in points per game in 2017, RB7 in points per game in 2018, and last year, his quote, down year, it was actually ahead of his current ADP. He was the RB14 in points per game last year. So right now, the fact that he's falling to the RB17 specifically, which is lower than his floor for the record, because his floor, according to the data, aside yeah, from that's that Jarvis season, Landry logic. Yeah, so I mean, and I honestly think he has top six or seven type upside. If he gets that goal line back role, if he yeah. gets some receiving looks out of the backfield, like he can have a league winning type year at his current value. I mean, we've seen him do it before on a points per game basis. As I just mentioned, he's been extremely valuable. So, I mean, I'll, I'll let you go off on this, but uh, this is definitely a running back I love targeting in this range. Yeah, I, uh, I did a mock draft today, actually, and I got Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, and Melvin Gordon to start my draft, which is just <laughs> disgusting. So, um, okay, we'll talk about the elephant in the room real quick. Philip Lindsay's there. We haven't mentioned him yet. Uh, he ranked third worst in the NFL, though, in drops on only 48 targets. I know everyone assumes because Philip Lindsay's small that he's like some scat back. He's not. He ranked number 82 in fantasy points per opportunity, despite ranking really well as a runner. So that's just how bad he was as a receiver. It completely dragged his, uh, his rating down. And uh, the big thing for me is that Pat Shermer comes in, uh, who's known for using feature backs. He's had a 65% opportunity share running back, which is like workhorse territory, by the way. Um, in eight out of the eight seasons he's been, which is all eight of them, uh, <laughs> As a head coach or coordinator, he had Steven Jackson, he had LaShawn McCoy, he had Peyton Hillis, he had Trent Richardson, he had Dalvin Cook, he had Saquon Barkley. Like all these guys were, were like full-fledged like workhorses. And a 65% opportunity share still leaves plenty of rushing work and all that stuff for Lindsay to, to take over because Lindsay is efficient with, with low carries and whatnot. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, the contract is significant. He's, he's going to absorb pretty much all of Royce Freeman's receiving and, uh, and goal line carries, which 24 red zone carries, 13 inside the 10 zone, five goal line carries. And then he's also, he's taken most of Lindsay's away from him, in my opinion. I, I think even if you project the goal line work to be split, which is like conservative in my opinion, because I do think it's going to be mostly Gordon, uh, this should be an improved offense. We, we all believe in the, the outside weapons of the Denver Broncos and, and hopefully Drew Locke is able to take a step forward. This, this offensive line made major improvements under, under Mike Munchak, who is what – I mean, now that Skarnecki is, uh, I think Skarnecki retired, didn't he? I believe in New so. England? Yeah, okay. Mike Munchak's the best offensive line coach in the league. So, um, I definitely, like, Gordon's situation, there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. Like, there's, there's not many holes I can poke into his situation. So, the fact that he's going outside of the top, like, 15 running backs, I think he's a lock to finish top 15. I don't think there's a chance he's not an RB1, to be honest. Like, he's going to get, he's going to have eight touchdowns, like, guaranteed. He's going to have, like, 70-plus targets guaranteed. He's going to have like 200 carries guaranteed. It's like, I have no idea why he's not like more of a sexy name for people. I, I feel like people are just kind of a little bit fatigued by him and they just don't like him as much for whatever reason. 
They don't like fantasy winning type assets. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. You're too, too busy taking Todd Gurley and David Johnson to actually take a good running back in that range of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll, we'll keep singing uh, Melvin Gordon's praises throughout this offseason. I mean, uh, you mentioned the best ball. I actually got him uh, recently in the Scott Fish for a little quick club. Uh, don't worry about Corey's dog. We're all good. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you can get Melvin Gordon as the RB17 off the board, that's candy from a baby. Make sure you do it. But uh, aside from that, anything else you want to touch up upon before we get out of here, Corey? Uh, no, that should be good. Uh, make sure you guys um, check out the draft guide. Uh, all the order form is below. You guys can pick any one of the three packages there. There's some cool features for you. Uh, join the Discord as well. Always talking football, talking dynasty, talking trades, all that shit. Um, and as I mentioned before, make sure you guys like, uh, like the video, comment on the video, subscribe, hit the bell uh, icon. We're coming at you seven days a week with fantasy football content. Let's get out of here and enjoy your Thursday.